Welcome to Not Enough Champagne, a podcast that doesn't need a super majority to make a decision. My name's Corey Hazelhurst, I'm my partner in propaganda is Steve Haynes. Hey Corey. And we're joined once again by Patrick Cook from New York. Hello Patrick. Hello Corey and Steve. Happy dismal de- 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 dreary day in New York right now. It's been lovely in Birmingham. Sunny. If there were sheep, they would be frolicking in fields, but there are no sheep in, in Cottage anyway. There was a there was a horse randomly walking down my road earlier today, so... Really? Yeah. I, I've seen a, a horse come out and about like a couple of times over the past year, so I think there must be a stable or something in the vicinity somewhere. Is anyone riding the horse? Is it uh, just on the way to Barnes Hill Asda? <laughs> There's somebody walking alongside it, not right. riding it, but... Okay. But that'd be creepy if it's just like a horse just kind of like walking around with anyone, no human nearby. You're like, is this a sign of something? Bojack Horseman come to life in Bartley Green. Oh, Bojack Horseman. Anyway, we're not talking, we're not talking about horses in this episode, unless it's vlogging legislative dead horses. That almost works. We're talking about the filibuster in this episode. We're going to talk about how terrible it is that one person can just keep on talking rambling and talking which means that no meaningful change can happen no meaningful debate can take place it just becomes James Stewart have a lot to answer for. Absolutely. But also, may I be the one to, uh, uh, to bestow your honorary American citizenship based on your uh, your, your rant of uh, nothing ever matters and everything's not going to change. Welcome to America. <laughs> Here's your blue passport. American passport's blue as well? Yes. I didn't realise that. Ah, like the British ones are now, apparently. Actually, I have it right here. Oh, I can confirm for listeners it is indeed a blue passport. Not the kind of weird... The British blue passport's more sort of black, isn't it? Not to go all Father Ted. Is that wheat? It is wheat. Why is it oh, yeah, every... wheat? <laughs> okay, because it's America. And everything has a slightly, like, this one has uh, cactuses on it. Wow. Uh, we have mountains. We have Constitution Hall in Philadelphia. And the uh, Liberty Bell. Ships. Oh, and a seagull. Wow. I didn't know a seagull was an all-American bird. Well, you got a, you got the real American bird present no. in this one, bald eagle, which apparently uh, and oh, and buffaloes, two things that we've almost driven to extinction, but they're national, you know, icons. Um, Sorry, um, we've got off track. The, yeah, the filibuster <laughs> is is not been driven to extinction. It's very much alive, and indeed, the fact that there's wheat on the passport almost feels quite symbolic of the filibuster, doesn't it? Because one, it, it seems like one of the reasons it's still in place is because it helps a lot of smaller rural farming states as opposed to populous american states yeah minority rule even even when they're not in a, in a majority you know it's the wonderful rural ba- ba- uh, basis that is the senate you know it's easy to win and hold it wyoming one of the you know least populous states has the same exact senate, uh, impact that you know and the senate that the most popular state of california has but still the equal amount of senate senators is uh it's fun it's fun 
There has been reform to the filibuster, though. Budget Reconciliation Act uh, was a was a reform to the Senate in 1974. But other than that, it is technically a Senate rules. It's actually not. It's it's we had talked about in the previous episode. It is not actually an act act of Congress because it's only affecting the Senate. That it is Senate procedure. It's the rules of the Senate. So their Senate rules were has the 60 vote. And they've changed rules in the past. Judicial appointments are not 60 votes anymore. What would be nice to see to the, to, to the filibuster is they at least bring back the talking filibuster, not just I'm going to filibuster this and threaten him. Make them go up there and, and, have expi- and expire the debate on the bill by having to stand up there and do what you saw used to see in the 70s and 80s, reading the phone book, require them to be there overnight to try to to expire all of the debate. Yeah, I think there's um, something to making uh, politicians, if they do want to filibuster, actually go through with the act of uh, filibustering it properly. Uh, Simply because we live in an age now of social media and constant rolling news, the damage, I think, that could be done for uh for the for the GOP in particular given the context we're we're discussing this in is quite quite large i think previously like when um i can't remember when this was now but it was some some years years back um ted cruz actually did a standing up filibuster for for something it was probably related to filibustering medical bloody insurance for for american citizens or something related to obamacare or something like that but he um, basically decided to read uh, "I Do Not Like Green Eggs and Ham" by Dr. Seuss as a uh, as as part of his filibuster, so that he could read his children a good night story, a bedtime story, which, on the face of it, adorable. But then you remember one, it's Ted Cruz, and two, he was probably blocking aid for people who actually needed it. But it went viral. You know, the the internet, uh, the focus on like video online has only grown and grown and grown. Um, since then. So I think there's a lot of interesting damage that could be done by actually having the GOP be forced to stand up because there will be video records of everything happening, which can then go go do the rounds, be turned into, you know, uh, mashup compilations and, and uh, attack ads, all of those different things. Purely from a political standpoint, from the Democrats' perspective, it, it's good, it would be good to make the GOP actually do the physical filibuster in some form. So the, the Ted Cruz speech I think you're referring to was the one against Obamacare in yeah. 2013, um, which apparently wasn't technically a filibuster because he was speaking during a permitted time slot, which I think maybe point underlines Patrick's point about the arcane rules of the Senate. Um, <laughs> It was 21 hours, 19 minutes long, which I, I'm not sure. I mean, you talk about, you know, this age of social media and virality, Steve, mm-hmm. but my understanding of TikTok is a lot of the videos on there are much shorter than that. <laughs> Cruz filibustered, quote unquote, for 21 hours. You need to have a significant amount of time committed to do a filibuster properly if you're doing it physically. Given the age of a lot of the Republican senators. Is it feasible that they could even do that? Like, are they actually... Are you suggesting we just bore them to death? (laughs) No, like, it's just that, that, like, as as you get older, like, you, you strenuous things like, you know, standing up for hours and hours and hours and hours on end become more and more problematic for you. That's just, that's just a thing that happens. 
So is it actually likely that the uh, GOP could even uh, even do that, given a lot at the age of a lot of this of, of lot of the senators? And it's not just even on the on the GOP side. I think a lot an awful lot of the the Democratic senators are quite uh, old as well. Uh, Patrick Leahy, who sounded like you know he basically didn't have a voice when he was when he was presiding over the impeachment trial. Yeah, which but, are hard to hear. But I, I, like like so many things in American politics, I am reminded of a scene from The West Wing, um, where there was an episode on the filibuster, um, and I can't remember why. Why? 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 But the the, the Butler administration ends up trying to support this this filibuster that's happening. Uh, well, the, the the drama of the moment was: is this old senator actually physically capable of continuing with this? And in order to um, kind of like assist them, um, they wrangled a like another senator or congressman or whoever it was to come in, ask a question, so that the guy got a chance to sit down for for five to ten minutes and just recover. Yeah, I think also they discussed that in uh, Veep as well, but also there's a very good Parks and Rec uh, filibuster reference in there too. <laughs> that happened with Ted Cruz and his filibuster because Rand Paul was helping him out and Pat Roberts and Marco Rubio as well. I think they gave him opportunities to sort of have a break. We haven't actually talked about what the filibuster is. Do you want to do that or should we just assume that people actually know what the filibuster is? I, I, I never take the assumption anybody understands how the Senate works because there I don't think that. the Senate understands how it works, but... Uh, Roughly, the Senate, roughly the filibuster in its simplest form is a, is a is a is a Senate procedure that basically requires, unless otherwise noted, budget reconciliation, judicial appointments don't have to be aren't allowed to be filibustered because they changed the rule on it. Uh, Democrats said actually, I believe not. Um, but filibuster basically requires sixty vote thresholds, two thirds of, probably written in such a way of two thirds of concurrent members that's that usually the term they use for it uh to invoke closure cloter basically end debate and go to a vote ridiculous it doesn't require you to get a two-thirds majority to pass a bill it requires you to get two-thirds majority to end debate and proceed to a vote is what filibuster is in its simplest form it has been led to a way to stop bills and it used to be the case that as you said like like james stewart in Mr. Smith goes to Washington, you had to physically stand up in the chamber, but now essentially you can just pick up a phone and do it. Um, And I suppose the aim was because the Senate was, there's the phrase about the aim of the Senate, isn't it? Almost it's almost like it is the the source of where the debate can cool down, essentially. So you try and take the heat out of the debate and you have time to reflect. And it's meant to be, I suppose, again, a very anti-majoritarian thing that one of the Arguments for it is about not wanting to have a tyranny of the majority where, you know, 51%. Imagine, Steve, imagine living in a country where 52% of the population vote for a thing and then the country is consumed by the need to enact the thing. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like That doesn't sound like anything that's ever happened anywhere in the world and certainly not in the United Kingdom. It wouldn't happen here, Steve. No, absolutely not. No. In America, it's almost the opposite. As, as you've sort of hinted, Patrick, with the, you know the pictures of wheat in the American passport, is where you've actually got senators from, uh, and, and the changing population means um, that in terms of you, you look at the fifty-fifty, you know the fifty senators the Democrats have, fifty senators the Republicans have. In terms of population that's represented, it's something like I think maybe two thirds of the population lives in the Democrat half. It, 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 of, of senators. In fact, I think there's something like 
Um, oh, what's the stat? There was a good, it was a stat and a trivia question. Definitely going to have to include it because I can't find it. Now. As you're um, looking up one thing, I said two thirds and meant three fifths of concurrent members. It's for filibuster. It is not two thirds. That'd be sixty-seven of a uh, hundred, and it is sixty uh, votes to bypass. That was my bad. Um, I think it's forty-one million more Amer America. Forty-one million. The difference is forty-one million. The difference between what Democrats represent and Republicans, I believe. And it might only get worse. So there's um, some analysis says that by 2040, half the population of America will live in just eight states. You want to guess what which states they might be? Ooh, California. Yep. New York. Yep. Texas. Texas. Yep. Florida. Yep. New Jersey. Um, nope. Ooh. Georgia. Yep. Nevada. Nope. Virginia. Nope. Ooh. Arizona. Mm. Illinois? I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, stumped. Illinois. So you've got okay. six. You've got two left. Both in play in 2020. Pennsylvania? Yeah. North Carolina. Yeah, so that's your right. For those who weren't taking notes, yeah, Florida, Georgia, Texas, California, New York, Illinois, North Carolina, Pennsylvania. So in terms, if the trend continues of people moving out of small rural states to bigger urban centres... It's not, it's not even a tyranny of the majority. It's almost like a tyranny of the minority, isn't it? Where you need, uh, if, you, if you don't have 61 seats, then you can't really enact anything. Hence why it's so important to blow up the filibuster and put D.C. statehood and, and uh, Puerto Rico statehood on there. Lower the urban-rural divide. So in the last episode on reconciliation, we talk, uh, we, on budget reconciliation, we talked about the fact that, say, the Biden administration was going to try and look to be bipartisan uh, or rather Joe Biden was making a big deal about trying to be a president for all Americans about having bipartisan leanings and therefore essentially sort of the threat of getting rid of the filibuster as well as another democratic measures like you've said like Puerto Rico statehood might be enacted I suppose the question is do we think that is there a good chance of these happening from my view i think there probably is but a big part of it is going to be dependent on whether or not the gop actually take the bait um because uh biden and the democrats have been quite clever i think so far in that they have um set everything up with with very much with optics in mind where they the filibuster is still in place currently but it is it was it has not been written into the actual kind of formal rules which is what uh, mitch mcconnell wanted um that was that, that that was managed to be achieved uh, as a result of both Manchin, uh, Joe Joe Effin Manchin, as to give him his full title as patrick insists um and is it kristen cinema um, yes. Yeah, Kristen Cinema from from Arizona, um, both came out and said we support the, uh, the the filibuster. There's no need to write this in there. But also within their their public statements, there was like a little bit of wriggle room for obviously if things go a bit awry with the uh, with the filibuster, we will come back and look at it again. Um, but as long as uh, you know the Senate is doing its job, there's no need for us to remove it as a tool, which I think basically means that the uh, Democrats are have probably got something in place with Manchin and Cinema, where they will go, all right, if the Republicans do this, this and this, you're on board for 
kind of scrapping the filibuster, which if they if that is the case, and I think it is quite high, highly likely, um, then you know the the filibuster is going to to go bye bye fundamentally. I think what I think uh, Steve is is correct in that what I think is going to happen is that I think and give it to. Uh, Biden, having been an institutionalist, will understand. Knows he will. He he still wants to get stuff done. So I think what's going to happen is definitely plan in place for the to cinema. And uh, but we also forget that also um, John Tester is not the most, you know, super. You know, is a moderate dem- is a centrist Democrat at all, and uh, close with Hickenlooper and and a couple other ones that are more moderate. But I think what's going to happen is Chuck Schumer has been. I'm very very proud of Chuck Schumer as majority leader. Uh, even besides from New York and him, the political savviness as he's had so far as majority leader to come across a lot of things uh, to they are going to attempt to get some stuff done, get stopped, get stonewall by our Republicans, show that they've tried to make the effort, uh, the effort, but nothing's getting done. And then then you'll see Kristen Cinema and uh, Joe Manchin um, come on board in six to eight months. One of the, I suppose, one of the calculations Newt Gingrich made in the eighties. And then in the 90s was that actually uh, often a Republican led, I think often Republican led Senate or House often would work with the Democrats to get stuff passed, but actually then wouldn't get any credit for that politically. And what Gingrich worked out was actually you get more political capital out of essentially just saying no and blaming your opponents and saying they're all evil than actually meaningfully cooperating. If the filibuster is gotten rid of and therefore it isn't just a case of the a Mitch McConnell controlled Republican caucus can block everything. I mean this is maybe a separate question of where the Republicans go, which we've talked about on, on Patreon. But do you think there might be more of a semblance of bipartisan cooperation or is it just the case that actually we have a Republican Party which uh, just won't cooperate at all? I think it kind of depends on what your definition of di- of of bipartisan is, and this is one of the the points I think that the uh, bar- uh, sorry the uh, Biden administration has been uh, quite leaning into is they've been pointing out that being bipartisan doesn't mean you know Democrats and Republicans; it means g- governing for the interests of the American people. So utilizing the um, you know the American Rescue Plan, um, which is the the COVID relief bill um, that's going through. Um, budget reconciliation currently um that's supported by like 68 percent of the american of the american people uh, according to polls the argument i think that that biden and his team want to make is saying that bill is bipartisan because it's got the backing of democrats throughout the country it's got the backing of independents throughout the country it's got the backing of republicans throughout the country the only people who are against this bill uh likewise this is also true i think for um 50, uh, the 15 dollar minimum wage is the gop congressional congressional leadership and how they whip the uh the uh, the, the caucus in the senate and the uh, house of representatives so from 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 the Democrats and Biden's perspective, like bipartisanship could very well be alive and well without the filibuster because they're actually able to do lots of things that are popular with everybody. If you want to look at this in the the, the more narrow, um, you know, political point scoring kind of way of who's up, who's down, red or blue, 
then yeah, it probably does kill bipartisanship because it just means that there's no means for the the last show of good faith, I suppose, uh, from the uh, Republicans' perspective, would have been 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 removed. Like they don't have a lot of cards to play the Republicans at the moment, other than the filibuster. So if that goes away, then they are just left completely powerless. At which point, why would you work with somebody who's actually, you know? Um, just just stripped away all of your abilities. You you wouldn't. You would go out of your way to try and fight back in some capacity and be- become even more adversarial. Not that I'm, I'm sure they could be more adversarial if even if they tried at the moment. No, they uh, couldn't. <laughs> this isn't a pantomime. <laughs> oh no. no. <laughs> I think with the filibuster and getting rid of it, it's going to be very much be a matter of framing as to who it kind of benefits and, and whether or not it's viewed as a, a partisan move or not. Um, and I think that's why I referred to, to earlier as to whether or not the, the GOP take the bait. Because if they don't take the bait, the filibuster stays in place, but they can't use the filibuster at all, really, because the Democrats probably have a, a setup in place where the minute they're doing something that's popular across the entirety of the country and the GOP uh, start trying to filibuster it, well, then it's going to go away. Are you saying, Steve, that the Democrats, well, that if they don't have the filibuster, they'll actually have to govern? Is that what you're telling me? Like, yeah. so you're telling me that the, then that would allow the Republicans to have to, you know, do, do their something. jobs. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the filibuster isn't going anywhere un, un, unless um, now my hope is that come 2022, so say the Democrats pick good candidates, candidates that fit their di- districts, and they actually attack the Republicans and, and follow kind of along the lines, and they take back to, let's just say, ends of 5248. I can probably tell you after 2022, if it goes 5248, I know that, I know that's, a, you know, that number. It's uh, I'm twitching again, Patrick. I know. I'm sorry. Because I can't, I can't say there'll be three. I can't say it's going to be fifty-three, forty-seven. Um, but you're most likely to going to have a, a a decent amount of. You'll have Mark Kelly, who will now be at a full a full one, and some of these people there. That I think it would be a little tough for some of the people, particularly the people in Georgia, the Georgia, the Georgia senators, uh, and Mark Kelly, who, well, it, particularly Warnock, not also because he's good for six years but warnock and mark kelly too who just got elected in states that haven't really voted democrats in a way to then say by the way forget all minority rule uh within the first two years when there was special election up in 2022 but if say they flipped pennsylvania and they flipped Georgia, they flipped two other seats you can probably see filibuster will go in 2022 along with along with probably dc statehood because you, if you then put, you know, you, you then don't, are not depending on Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin can t- continue to vote no to, to save his, save to save his what he thinks was saving a seat. And, but I think we've talked about this before. I think you probably could see maybe continuation of reforms to the filibuster. I think likely if Democrats can do anything, they're going to say they never get a filibuster, but uh, make it make it not apply to things they care about. Um, you know, it could be you could you could change it on, you could change the rules about if the bill falls because the filibuster it can get brought, but you don't have to follow the filibuster as much. There's a rule from, there is a I can't I gotta look up his name. There is there was an option by um, Tom Harkin, 
Democrat from Iowa in 2013, he basically said that every time you vote, you drop it by three votes. So if they failed the first time, then the second time you brought the bill back to the back to a vote, it's 57, then 54, then 51, then 50. So it's so that you would end up it would delay the bill, but end up we were going to pass there. But if you wanted to pass the bill, you'd have to work with the one. I think that like the filibuster, you could see the filibuster changing related to the rules of its filibuster on the first time the bill comes up in that legislative session. But if you bring up a second time, it doesn't apply. You could see something like that. Yeah, that, that, that could be quite an interesting one, because in some ways that's kind of similar to um, how the, the, the Parliament Act in the U, UK operates in that, you know, the House of Lords can block a piece of legislation in, in, in theory, but in practice, they very rarely do because the government has the uh, authority, or rather, I suppose technically the House of Commons has the authority to, to overrule that um, and basically say, look, you're not elected, you can't block things um from from becoming law just because you don't like it you don't have that validity um therefore parliament act invoked and it becomes law uh, uh even if the uh, the house of lords uh, opposes it but you have to do that two or three times there has to be like two or three back and forths i think um before it can be be invoked so that sounds like um, what you're talking about there is it's kind of similar in principle to that though obviously the the the, the nature of it is is slightly different patrick how uh, you mentioned this is part of the it's not in the house it's in the senate so it's about senate rules how do you actually change senate rules so at the beginning the way that it usually works is at the beginning of a legislative session it's that I believe we kind of saw it a couple weeks ago. Usually nobody cares about the thing, the organizing motion. Remember this whole thing for organizing motion that Mitch McConnell was gonna, he wanted an explicit one that they, you know, from, from you know, that he wouldn't bring filibuster to the rule, to the floor, right? Uh, and, you know, he knew he wasn't gay then. He's like, well, we've, we talked about it. We came to a, a, a one that he said he's not gonna do it. Oh, hearing, you know, that cinema and mansion. So this organizing motion that is passed the beginning one sets the committees. So it's so there's these different committees, standing committees. and It sets the rules of that legislative session. So while policy rule procedures can be changed at any even time, they're usually passed organizing the vote for the majority leader, the vote for the presidential pro, pro tem, the votes for this for the, you know, constitutional, you know, constitutional officers of uh, of the Senate. And then you also then basically say, here are the Senate rules and regulations, the committee, the committee ships, who is the ranking member, number of committee ones. So it would be, it would, and that was ruled by way of a, I think 1898 Supreme Court that, that said that changing the Senate procedures only requires a simple majority. It's set by an organizing motion and a series of uh, a series of rules that usually, if there's any changes they're going to make, it they're going to make it in the organize in the organ organizing motion that starts the legislative session. In the case, and usually it's completely mundane. You use party line vote, unanimous consent. It is not the only thing that my, the minority has to stop bills. In the, in particular, thing to the U.S. Senate, unanimous consent is used on a regular basis. And if you guys watched the impeachment and the impeachment trial, you saw related to fifteen minute breaks and dinner breaks. Uh, Chuck Schumer used unanimous uh, unanimous consent to um, to to either adjourn for the day or for the other one. If anyone speaks up there and does it and, and says and says no. 
that they don't run, you then would have to have a vote on it and, and including debate related unanimous consent. You could slow up the process through objecting to uh, unanimous consent to closure, unanimous consent to, to uh, opening debates. Like you could, you could screw it up. The problem is, is that the Republicans particularly don't like it because it means they can't kill the bill. It would only delay the bill, and that's the biggest issue with the filibuster. But filibuster could change by changing the rules, and the rules are set usually by the majority leader, the minority leader, and the organizing one, and with on, on consent of the wonderful uh, Senate par- most powerful civil service s- servant in the uh, in the in in the, in the Senate, the Senate parliament- parliamentarian who rules on it, um, but could. But it, it could the some majority is changing anything they want. They could change anything anything they choose. But if I'm the Republicans, though, and the last point I want, if I'm a Republican, I'd I, I, why not get rid of the filibuster? Because then you, when you get fu- you're going to get back into into power sometime in the near future. In the future, um, hopefully not in the near future, you're going to have 52 votes. Most likely, 52, 53 is going to be the number that that everybody's going to get. You, if you decide to do something to something ridiculously conservative related to, uh, like say, abolishing income tax, right? If the filibuster's there, you couldn't do that. Like, so, like, the positive is it's the judicial. It's what Democrats did with, with changing the rules and the judicial, uh, the filibuster related judicial appointments. Is they did it to get their federal policy ones because Mitch McConnell uh, wanted to filibuster them. Then came then bit them ba- back in the ass by free Trump appointed ones that were were couldn't be filibustered to it. So like one way or another, nobody wins by removing the filibuster. Democrats will get a bunch of wins now, but then probably will give up a solid amount of will give up a lot of losses they have no control over in the future when Republicans control the Senate. Well, Patrick's talking about abolishing income tax. This is definitely, I think, where we need to end the podcast. I was um, just saying the Republicans could we... do that, and it was the Thank one non-racist ideas. thing they could do. But I, I didn't want to give them currents in one of their many crazy racist ways. But that seemed that is the you know as an example getting rid of the income tax. Um, but we're we're getting perilously close to talk about standing orders by the sounds of it as well with organising committees. And before we have the gratuitous parish council it's references, what they are. If you want to amend our standing orders, Steve, you could give us financial support to do so. Oh, you really are getting better at these segues. Uh, yeah, you can head over to patreon.com slash not enough champagne, where for a few quid a month, you can uh, basically sign up as one of our backers or champagners uh, or champagniacs as uh, yeah. as Patrick. Not uh, to be confused dubbed. with champagniacs. The champagners <laughs> from Patreon, the champagniacs, the people that listen to the podcast and don't Pretenders. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can head over to patreon.com uh, slash uh, not enough champagne uh where you will uh find uh access to unique episodes uh that we record um solely for our backers over there early access to blog posts unique blog posts and we do some like round table kind of like discussions uh every now and again uh as well so there's a whole variety of, of content that you gain access to over there. Um, everything that we make from the podcast, uh, well, from the Patreon goes to running the podcast. It, it keeps us, uh, you know, moving and, and going and, and ensures that we can continue to uh, produce this every week for you. So, yeah, um, thank you to all of our uh, current backers. And hopefully we will see uh, some more of you over there as well.
Our website is notenoughchampagne.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash notenoughchampagne. James Cram designed our logo. You can follow him on Twitter at James Cram and Dave Depper composed our theme tune for Kick Good Times. The podcast's Twitter handle is at No Champagne Pod. I'm at Paperback Rioter. Steve. I'm at Acoustic Radical. And Patrick. I'm at Peacock11. Happy Plossing. episode patrick we talked about this reconciliation process that it essentially sort of bypass the um a life hack one might say if you're writing some sort of viral um <laughs> news outlet buzzfeed um, article yeah <laughs> eight ways senate republicans can get things done you'll never guess how the democrats pass the minimum wage it's all right steve i'm, I'm just amusing myself eight rule eight senate rules you don't uh, you didn't know existed <laughs> Steve uh, hates us right now. <laughs> I could just spend the next hour. Just um, me too. Me too. You'll never, <laughs> you'll never guess what Bernie Sanders looks like after the last lecture. <laughs> um, Make this quiz to see if you can, if 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 you have what it takes to to be the Senate parliamentarian. <laughs> which bill would you fill the buster? <laughs> which Senate parliamentarian are you? Corey. You're going to edit this, remove this from the, the main thing, but then just put it in as like the end piece, like after the final credits. This yes. needs to be a Patreon. If you want to hear, if you want to hear Pat, Pat and Steve go, uh, Pat and Corey go back and forth with uh, titles of that one. Do the you f- know what, how many Senate 18. rules that cools can you vote for? The full 18 hours ways- will be available <laughs> on Patreon. Um, I had a point somewhere.